welcome to Counter Melody, the podcast on great singers and great singing. Each week, you will encounter me, Daniel Gundlach, as your host, guiding you along a magical route that will bring us closer to the voices of those singers that most enchant and transform us, no matter what else is going on in the world. Thank you for joining me on that path. This week's episode. Hi, everybody. I'm back in New York and have been dealing with some technical challenges today, including the sounds of tuck pointing going on on the building, probably right next door. I Gewalt. Hope we're ready to get going with the episode. Today, we are celebrating the American lyric baritone William Parker known to his friends and colleagues universally as Will. He was born August 5th, 1943, in Butler, Pennsylvania, just north of Pittsburgh. So yes, we are about six weeks in advance of what would have been his 80th birthday. Let's begin with a song composed by one of Pittsburgh's other native sons from an earlier generation, Stephen Foster. This is Beautiful Dreamer. This demonstrates perfectly the exquisite voice, exemplary diction, and compelling artistry of Will Parker. This recording is from a radio broadcast from the Netherlands in the year 1975, when Will was just 28 years old. Beautiful dreamer, wake unto me. Starlight and dewdrops are waiting for thee. Sounds of the rude world heard in the day, loud by the moonlight have all passed away. Beautiful dreamer, beam on my heart, in as the episode, I've solicited the input from many of Will's dear friends and colleagues, as well as his closest remaining family members, his sister, his niece, and his nephew, who were quite generous in sharing their impressions and their memories. I was just speaking with his sister Amy this morning about that particular quality in his timbre, the tear in the voice. And she agreed with me and said that this was something that had been present even in his very earliest days as a boy chorister. Will is celebrated equally for his performances of 
contemporary American song, leader, and my favorite, French melody. And we're going to hear numerous examples of, of these varied types of repertoire today. Let's start with a piece by the late Ned Roram. These are his Santa Fe songs, which were premiered in the year 1980 by Will Parker. They were composed for the Santa Fe Chamber Music Festival, and they are settings of poems by the Santa Fe poet, Witter Binner. This is a cycle of vocal chamber music scored for piano, violin, viola, and cello. And in this recording, a live broadcast of the New York premiere in 1980, we hear Will Parker accompanied by the composer himself at the piano and violinist Annie Kavafian, violist Heichiro Ohiyama, and cellist Timothy Eddy. This is the second song of the cycle entitled Opus 101. One of Will's most enduring legacies is his creation of the AIDS Quilt Songbook, 
for he himself was struck down mid-career by HIV, before there was such a thing as the cocktail. I remember this year so well myself, I lost my two best friends in 1993, one at the beginning of the year, the other at the end, and the premiere of this cycle on the 4th of June, 1992, at Alice Tully Hall, was an absolutely overwhelming experience. I know, because I was there, as was much of the classical music community. The AIDS Quilt Songbook was comprised of songs by, I think it was 18 different composers and poets, which were performed not just by Will, but by his fellow baritones, William Sharp, Sanford Sylvan, and Kurt Ullman. I still remember things from that performance as if it were yesterday. The day after the piece premiered, the participants went into the recording studio and recorded most of the songs from that group that they had just performed. But Will already was quite ill and was unable to sing a number of the songs, but he did manage to put down the song Fury, which is one of the most terrifying songs I can imagine. Will's sister Amy remarked specifically on the performance of Ellen Marks, the pianist who had come over from Germany expressly to play for this concert. He himself died on the 12th of July, 1995, at the age of 46. I have a poisoned hand, I have a bitter voice, I look death in the face, I have no choice. And when death looks on me, its hollow eye and frown makes light Can't help but show. 
moistened by your pain, unbought by tears. I have a poisoned hand, I have a bitter voice, I look death in the face, I have no choice, I have no choice. Will had sung in lots of AIDS benefits, even before he was diagnosed as HIV positive. But it frustrated him that there was never any mention of the disease itself. Will had been particularly inspired by a collection of poetry called Poets for Life, 76 Poets Respond to AIDS. In fact, many of the song texts that were used for the AIDS Quilt songbook came from this collection. Will set about contacting a wide range of composers, and most of them consented to write a song for this all-important event. As Will's sister Amy pointed out to me, every single person involved in the production of this, including the stagehands, donated their work. Fury, which we just heard, is a song by the composer Donald Wheelock, set to a text by Susan Snively. These were artists that Will had gotten to know when he did a two-year sabbatical replacement at Smith College, where he replaced my dear friend, the soprano Karen Smith Emerson, who took a two-year sabbatical. Karen is one of a number of friends who wrote beautiful reminiscences of Will, and I'd like to share some of what she wrote to me. Will Parker was a complete artist. Not only did he have a beautiful baritone voice, but he had outstanding musical skills that were supported by a superior intellect that fueled his artistic imagination. He was open, warm, incredibly generous, and extremely funny. The entire Smith community was enriched by his presence. He was a perfect fit for a liberal arts institution and blended seamlessly with a wide variety of faculty, students, and the community as a whole. After the two-year leave, we still maintained contact, though infrequently because of his deteriorating health situation. We shared mutual friends, Lynn Maxwell, Dalton Baldwin, both of whom we shall encounter later, and he was always eager to exchange news of their activities. He was extremely generous. He recommended me to conductors and managers for singing opportunities and was always eager to share his knowledge of music, especially in the world of leader and melodie, our special passion. From the get-go, I felt that he was my friend and advocate. One of Will's final recordings was of Bach's cantatas numbers 56 and 82, a recording that was done as a benefit for the Shanti Foundation and was conducted by Nicholas McGeegan, leading the Arcadian Academy. 
I know several people who played in the orchestra for that recording, and they remarked upon what a challenging situation it was, for Will was already enormously ill, but by sheer willpower, no pun intended, gave a performance of such poignancy and power that everyone present was completely overwhelmed. There is a moment in Cantata 56, Ich will den Kreuzstab gerne tragen, I will gladly carry the cross, where the rhythm switches to a compound meter. As the singer intones the words, Da leg ich den Kummer auf einmal ins Grab, Da wischt mir die Tränen mein Heiland selbst ab. There I shall lay all suffering in the grave. There my Savior himself will wipe away my tears. Da leg ich den Kummer auf einmal ins Grab, Da wischt mir die Tränen mein Heiland selbst ab. Dann leg ich den Kummer auf einmal ins Grab, da wischt mir die Tränen mein Heiland selbst From his earliest years, little Billy Parker was known as a singer, and his niece told me that at his funeral there were old women there who had not experienced him as a world-famous singer, but rather remembered him as that little boy with the voice of an angel. When young Will was 17 years old, he became an AFS exchange student and spent a year living in Germany. It was there that he saw his first staged opera and decided then and there on the spot that he himself was also going to become a singer. When he returned to the U.S., he pursued his college degree at Princeton. But Princeton at the time did not offer a degree in vocal performance, so Will chose instead a degree in German literature and studies. Upon graduation, he was drafted, and his sister told me that his initial intention was to become a photographer. But a chance encounter post-graduation with the conductor of the Princeton Glee Club on the streets of New York led him to change his plans and to choose instead the Army Chorus, with whom he sang for five years. 
During that time, he was stationed in Washington, D.C., and became increasingly visible as not just a member of the chorus, but also as a soloist. In fact, my friend Drew Minter recalls having first heard Will Parker sing in a performance of the St. John Passion in which Drew himself was just a young chorister. After winning the Baltimore Opera Competition, Will began studying with the great Rosa Poncel, who of course was closely affiliated with the Opera Company. In 1970, when his stint was up, he moved to Europe and proceeded to win the Toulouse Vocal Competition in 1970. From there, he took a two-year fest contract with the Wiener Volksoper, where, his sister informed me, he became acquainted with and sang alongside William Warfield, who was probably at that point reprising his Porgy, which he had done in a production there in 1964. During those years in Vienna, he frequently traveled to Paris, where he studied with Pierre Bernac and became further acquainted with the pianist Dalton Baldwin, who engaged him for his first commercial recording, the complete songs of Francis Poulenc, in which Will recorded three of the big cycles and a number of assorted songs, alongside such heavy hitters as Gérard Souzet, Elie Ameling, Michel Sénéchal, and Nicolas Guedda. Following that engagement and the death of his father, Will returned to the United States, where he settled in D.C. and resumed his studies with Rosa Poncel. In 1976, Will won the Joy in Singing competition and thereafter moved to New York. Next up, I have three songs in French, all of which make reference to a woman named Rosemonde or Rosamunde. The first is from that Poulenc Integral with Dalton Baldwin. This Rosemonde is a setting of a poem by Guillaume Apollinaire. Pour quitter la rose du 
Will had a profound connection with children and was extremely close to both his niece and his nephew. Both Will's sister and his niece told me about times that his sister's children would visit him in Europe. His niece Alicia remembered an instance in which she sat on a very hard chair in a recording studio in Amsterdam while Will was making a recording. She doesn't remember exactly what it was, but it could very well have been a recording, for instance, of this Henri Duparc song, Le Manoir de Rosemonde, which was made in January 1979, and in which Will is accompanied by the Dutch pianist Rudolf Janssen. Will's career had been gaining momentum on both sides of the Atlantic throughout the 1970s, but it was his first prize win at the Kennedy Center Rockefeller Foundation International Competition for Excellence in the Performance of American Music in 1979 that really put him on the map. One of the offshoots of that prize was a number of recordings he made with New World Records, including a disc with Dalton Baldwin that included songs of Charles Ives, a number of them in French. The song Rosamunde 
is a translation of a song from the play Rosamunde for which Schubert originally wrote incidental music. Here, however, it's translated into French for reasons unknown. J'attends, hélas, dans la douleur. In sorrow I wait, mourning your long absence. Another reminiscence about Will came in from my friend Kamal Khan, who today, of course, is quite well known as a pianist and conductor. But back in the day, when he was just a little tyke, he performed the role of Gerardino in Puccini's Gianni Schicchi at the Opera Society of Washington. And Will sang the role of Marco, Kamal commented. He was smart, fun, never condescending towards a precocious kid, and the voice had a unique fingerprint. Now, continuing that exploration of the unique fingerprint, I'm going to present you now several songs relating to the seasons. The first of these is another Dutch radio recording, this of the Claude Debussy song Le Temps a laissé son manteau. The weather has tossed off its coat. It's a setting of a poem by the Renaissance poet Charles d'Orléans, and Will is heard accompanied once again by Rudolf Janssen. Le temps a laissé son manteau de vent, de froidure et de pluie, et s'est vêtu de broderie, de soleil et en clair et pour. Il n'y a bête ni oiseau qui Rivière, fontaine et 
Another friend of the podcast, Mark Dirksen, wrote in with a reminiscence of Will, stating, My father played Winterreise for him. An unforgettable experience. I remember sitting in on a few rehearsals as a boy in the mid-1970s in Washington, D.C. And he responded further, My eldest brother Rick was a close friend of Will's from the Army Chorus. Too bad I didn't know what I was really hearing, but it was damn good. The next example that we're going to hear explores a repertoire that I'm not sure Will performed all that frequently, British song. This is a song from the Thomas Hardy cycle by the composer Gerald Finzi, Before and After Summer. It is the quote-unquote title track, if you will, the second song of a ten-song cycle, which references both spring and late fall in beautifully contrasting sections. This is a radio recording, again, from the Netherlands. This from the year 1975, and the pianist is Gerard van Blerk. Looking forward to the spring, one puts up with anything On this February day Though the winds leap down the street Wintry scourging seem but play And these later shafts of sleet Sharper pointed than the first And these later snows the worst But as a half-transparent blind from sun behind Shadows of the earth 
two more winter songs now, both featuring the pianist William Huckabee, who was Will's most frequent pianistic collaborator in concert and on recordings. The first is a song by gay American composer Charles Tomlinson Griffiths, a fascinating figure who lived too much of his life in the shadows, but nevertheless was a composer of the highest rank. This is a song called The First Snowfall, and the recording is from the second, and the recording is from the second of Will's New World Records releases. song is a setting by John Jacob Niles, who is thought of less as a composer than as a collector of folk songs. But we know that even work such as I Wonder as I Wander is actually an original composition by Niles that has a very folk song-like characteristic. This song is one of three settings that Will recorded art songs that Niles set to words by the monk and mystic Thomas Merton. This is a beautiful poem, Love Winter When the Plant Says Nothing. I must relate to you that Bill Huckabee also died prematurely at the age of only 51 in February 1995, just about two years after Will. Touch the snow with your branches Oh, covered stones hide the house of growth Oh, secret vegetal words Unlettered water daily zero Oh 
Mark wrote me about that Winterreise, my mind's ear was completely tantalized at the prospect of hearing Will singing the music of Schubert. I don't know if there are any extant recordings. Sometimes these things crop up out of nowhere, as did many of those radio recordings a couple years ago. So perhaps there's some Schubert out there as well. Maybe even a Winterreise, who's to say? But Will and Bill Huckabee did make a wonderful recording together that combined songs of Aaron Copland and Johannes Brahms. I've chosen the song An die Nachtigall, which is a setting of a poem by Ludwig Hölti. The poet tells the nightingale not to sing so beautifully because its tones awaken love in the poet and cause him to stare moist-eyed, haggard, and deathly pale into the heavens. Mir 
We've seen, or at least I've spoken about, how Will was indeed also an opera singer. He began with a two-year fest contract with the Wiener Volksoper, and later on in the 1980s he also sang with New York City Opera, and his Papageno was particularly celebrated. He also was a fixture at the Santa Fe Opera, where he sang roles from Papageno to Schoenberg's Die Jakobsleiter. One of his most successful assumptions was the role of John Buchanan in Lee Hoiby's setting of Tennessee Williams's play Summer and Smoke. Will sang this role at the Lake George Opera Festival in 1978, opposite Mary Beth Peel, an incendiary opera singer who went on to also become a brilliant straight actor so to speak. My friend Benton Hess spoke to me on the phone this week about working with Will on this production of Summer and Smoke. The work was being revived at Lake George for the second year in a row, and Will was to be singing the role of John for the first time. According to Benton, he showed up completely unprepared, his tail between his legs, yes, deeply apologetic, yes, but not knowing the part, for he had been overbooked, and he also had not realized just what a challenging part it was. But Benton, who knew Will from having worked with him previously, committed to working one hour a day every single day, coaching the role with Will, until he had the role under his belt, and performed it not just capably, but brilliantly. Surprising Benton, with his prowess as an actor. In 1980, Will and Bill Huckabee recorded the big scene, the anatomy lesson, from Summer and Smoke. And I'm going to play you the first part of that incredibly intense scene, in which John Buchanan harshly explores the brutality of human passion and sexuality by referring to 
various parts of the human anatomy as displayed on a chart of the human body. Miss Alma, you don't know how wrong everything you believe all your mumbled litanies all of its lies look at this chart of anatomy I'd like to show you what people are. You think you're stuffed with rose leaves, rose leaves and lavender. Look at what you really, Miss Alma. is hungry for something called truth but it doesn't get much so it goes on feeling hungry do you follow me this is the belly the middle's the belly which is hungry for food and this part down here is the sex which is hungry for love because do you follow me that I so wish that I could still speak to about Will is my dear friend Lynn Maxwell, who departed this earth a number of years ago now. I've lost track, but it's far too long, and I miss her deeply. She and I were both involved with the Lotte Lehmann Foundation in the last years that it was in operation in New York, and we formed a very strong bond and a close friendship she was one in a million, and I loved her dearly. And she, in turn, often spoke to me of how much she adored Will Parker as a human being, as an artist, and as a friend. Will's sister informed me that it was Lynn who got Will his apartment in the West Village, for she had an apartment in the same building and heard about a vacancy, and the rest is history, and that's where Will lived until the end of his days. Both Lynn and Will concertized together frequently, and in 1988, they made a recording with Will Huckabee of two very important song cycles by the Minnesota-based composer Dominic Argento, who also wrote 
some rather amazing operas. On that recording, Lynn sings the cycle that was originally written for Janet Baker from the Diary of Virginia Woolf, and Will sings an ambitious song cycle called The Andre Expedition that was originally premiered also in St. Paul by the Swedish baritone Håkan Hagegård. This is based on an ill-fated expedition to the North Pole via balloon, in which the explorer Salomon August Andre and his three young charges all perished tragically. Their bodies were ultimately discovered alongside cameras containing photographic evidence of the expedition, as well as diaries, which revealed an entire world of experience, initially exhilaration and conflict, disaster, and ultimately hallucination, frostbite, and death. And these texts form the basis of this song cycle. I know I've been using the word intense and <laughs> overwhelming and all of that, but this is really a freaking amazing song cycle. And Will gives it a stunning performance on this recording. We're going to hear the 10th song, Hallucinations, Oh, <laughs> 
Now, this is not a hagiography of Will Parker. He was a human being, he had his flaws, and he had his desires. He liked to party, and he liked men. Two men that had been involved with Will, one on a longer-term basis and another on just a very brief but also very intense affair, both were in touch with me. And honestly, from what I was told by the friend who had the very brief affair with him, it remains a very tender and happy memory for him. Would that all of our lovers and our tricks remembered us with such fondness. Some people have spoken of the fact that he loved to party and that he partied too hard. I was alerted by one of my listeners to the presence of a letter that Ned Roram wrote to Will Parker in the late 1980s, in which he excoriates him for his lifestyle. It's a letter that is positively ruthless and reflects not at all well on Roram himself. Further, the fact that A, his lover, James Holmes, prevented Roram from actually sending the letter, and that B, that Roram nevertheless saw fit to publish the letter after both the death of Will Parker and of his lover Jim Holmes, really does not speak well for Ned Roram. At one point I was thinking about sharing the letter, but I will simply say that if you want to read it, you will find it in the book called Lies that was published in the year 2000. Enough said on that. That volume also contains a diary entry from the 5th of August, 1991, which reads, Will Parker has AIDS. He sent this news, not entirely unexpected, in a long handwritten note. Wants me and others, Hoybee, Adams, Harbison, Argento, Hundley, to write songs, quote, about AIDS, for him to sing in a fundraising for AIDS recital. Macabre! In spite of his disapproving tone, I must say that Ned Roram wrote an absolutely exquisite song, which he played himself on that legendary June afternoon in 1992 and subsequently recorded with my friend the baritone Kurt Ullmann. This is a setting of a beautifully understated poem by David Bergman and is entitled A Dream of Nightingales. I thought of you. 
appetite so that he could not scare off such music as it hadn't been heard all winter. When you flew south to escape the Arctic blast and home again heard that dark-winged creature A very good friend of mine was Will's final voice student. She was best friends with his nephew, who in the last days of Will's life moved in with him so that he could provide for his daily needs. She observed him pouring his entire being, his entire soul, not only into the AIDS quilt project, but also into imparting to her all of the knowledge that he had acquired in his years of singing. She stated to me that he knew that by continuing to perform the AIDS Quilt songbook in the last few months of his life, that he was hastening his own demise. And this is something that Will's sister agreed about, that he felt an absolute sense of mission to ensure that this legacy would remain alive. On World AIDS Day, December 1st, 1992, Will Parker gave his final public performance. Accompanied by William Huckabee, they performed a song by John Musto to a text by the African-American poet Melvin Dixon, who succumbed to AIDS himself not long afterward a heart-wrenching song called Heartbeats that is structured very much in the way of a heartbeat in the repetitive, systematic repetition of syllables. This is the very performance that Will and Bill gave on that day at the Walker Arts Center in Minneapolis. At that point, Will was confined to a wheelchair, and he was so weak that Oftentimes, as Will's sister told me, there would be beds backstage for him to lie down on between numbers. You hear his voice falter somewhat, but the passion, the desperation, the intensity are all there so strongly. Dress warm, eat well, short breath,
get mad Fight back Will had imagined that the AIDS Quilt Songbook 
would take on a life much as the eighth quilt itself had. In other words, that people would continue to add panels, continue to add songs, and continue to perform these songs in various configurations, and not just for the original scoring of songs just for baritone, but for other voices, voice types, combinations of voices, accompanying instruments, etc. My dear friend Thomas Bagwell, whom you have heard on the podcast before when he was speaking about his friendship and collaborations with Marnie Nixon, is someone who has dedicated much time and energy to the perpetuation of the Eights Quilt Songbook. For instance, in the year 2017, he and Will's original publicist and collaborator on this event, Philip Caggiano, put together a 25th anniversary program of the Eights Quilt Songbook that used entirely new songs with some of America's finest singers and pianists. This program was subsequently recorded as well. And I'd like to play you a song that Thomas singled out to me as being a particularly beautiful one. This is a work by the composer Drew Heminger, set to a text by the poet Rafael Campo, entitled, entitled Her Final Show, which describes the death of a very theatrical drag queen. It's performed here by both Thomas and the tenor Anthony Dean Griffey. She said it was a better way to die than most. She seemed relieved, almost at peace. The stench of her infected caposies, made bearable by the opium applied, so daintily behind her ears. I know it costs a lot. But dear, I'm nearly gone. Her shade of eyeshadow was emerald green. She clutched her favorite stones. Her final souls, she'd worn them all. Sixteen necklaces of pearls, ten strings of beads. She said they gave her hope to gather heavy as a gallows rope. The gifts of drag queens dead of age. Those girls, they gave me so much strength. She whispered as I turned the morphine up. She hid her leg beneath smooth sheets. 
very straight in her red wig before pronouncing her before pronouncing her her final show she'd worn them all sixteen necklaces of pearls and strings of beads I straighten her red wig before pronouncing her My dear friend, who was Will's last student, wrote to me yesterday, we all loved him and wish he had had at least the privilege of a full lifespan. It's that very thing that can cause one to feel a good deal of sadness surrounding Will Parker. The song that I offer you next, another Dutch radio recording with Rudolf Janssen, is the last of Fauré's final song cycle, L'Horizon Chimérique. These are four poems replete with maritime imagery that evoke the sea, departures, farewells. These are settings by the poet Jean de la Ville de Miremont, who, like Wilfred Owen last week, was a poet who was killed in World War I. And this final song, Vaisseau, nous vous aurons aimés, is particularly heartbreaking in the context. Ships, we shall have loved you to no avail. The last of you has set sail on the sea. The sunset bore away so many spread sails that this port and my heart are forever forsaken. I belong to those with earthbound desires. The wind that elates you fills me with fright but your summons at nightfall makes me despair, for within me are vast, unappeased departures. Je suis de ceux dont les désirs sont sur la terre. 
Thank you all for joining me today. I would like to mention that I am putting together a bonus episode again this weekend, which will feature today's artist, Will Parker, singing four different and contrasting song cycles by the American composer Charles Wakefield Cadman, by Claude Debussy, by Francis Poulenc, and by Aaron Copland, the first set of his old American songs. If you would like to access that content, which is available exclusively to my Patreon supporters, please go to patreon.com slash countermelody, and you can make your pledge, either yearly or monthly, which will allow you to access all 65 bonus episodes that I have thus far posted. Give me a day or so to put that together, but it will be there this weekend with all my love and gratitude. Lest I end the episode on too sad a note, I would like, with his permission, to share more of Drew Minter's memories of Will Parker. First, he spoke about the experience of hearing him as an 11-year-old singing the St. John Passion. And then he says, Many years later, I knew him tangentially through Bill Huckabee, one of his accompanists, with whom I also worked and sang some recitals. And then I got to make a recording of Messiah with Will, conducted by my friend and mentor Nick McGeegan, a recording, by the way, which also features my dearly beloved friend Janet Williams. Since we were waiting around a lot together, we each had but a few arias to sing. We hung out in one of the dressing rooms and did scads of New York Times crossword puzzles to kill time. He was a sweet, witty puzzle partner and wonderful company. The year Will died, Bill Huckabee put together an immense program of music for his memorial service. With a certain date in mind, at Ascension Church in Lower Manhattan, in which many of his friends and colleagues sang, me included. But Will hung on longer to life than expected, and the date was changed a few months to a hot summer afternoon. Because the church was not air-conditioned, the windows had to be opened. It turned out that that same afternoon, there was a legalized cannabis sit-in in Washington Square Park, just a couple blocks south. The church was permeated with the smell of weed, at that time, not the customary smell on the streets of New York City that it has now become. Now, anyone who knew Will knew his fondness for smoking pot. As the libera me of the Fore Requiem unfolded, I couldn't help giggling beneath my tears. Because I consider one of Will Parker's greatest achievements to be his extraordinary mastery of the French Mélodie, I'd like to share with you one further Poulenc selection, the final song of the Caligram cycle set to poems by Guillaume Apollinaire. 
which Will and Dalton Baldwin recorded so memorably back in 1976. Poems which contain seemingly obscure imagery, which nonetheless possess enormous clarity and power. It describes a night train through Italy as the poet gazes out the window into the shifting darkness. Voyage, journey. Farewell, love, cloud that flies and has not shed fertile rain. Take again the journey of Dante. Telegraph, bird who lets its wings fall everywhere. Where is this train going that dies away in the distance, in the vales, and the lovely fresh woods of the tender summer so pale? The gentle night, moonlit and full of stars, it is your face that I no longer see. It has been an intense week for me, listening to the voice of this singer that I have so loved and so admired for so many years. 
in spite of the fact that our paths never crossed, we had so many friends and colleagues in common, and his performing style is so direct, so open, so vulnerable, that I feel as if I knew him. That feeling has been enhanced by the wonderful reminiscences of his friends and particularly of his family. In closing, I'd like to offer just three more reminiscences. The first comes from my friend Karen, the one who Will replaced when she took a sabbatical from Smith College. To get to Will's West Village apartment, one would pass by some of the, quote, regulars, homeless people whom he got to know on a day-to-day -day basis coming and going. He told me of one whom he invited inside for a meal and a shower. I remember being shocked at the time, but he matter-of-factly responded that he was simply offering what most homeless persons wanted, a place to clean up and a warm meal with no conversation or judgment expected. It was just one example of his warmth, empathy, and generosity toward his fellow human being. It's completely appropriate that the dedication on Will's grave is to singer, teacher, humanitarian. And now two memories from Will's family, first his niece, then his sister. His niece writes, late in his life he sang at my wedding. He held a baby at the rehearsal dinner. She had been fussing all night, but when he held her, she stopped crying and just put her little ear to his chest as he spoke. She clung to him, listening to that resonance, and they held each other for half the party. It was magical. And Will's sister Amy told me that whenever she would attend a performance that Will was giving, that he would always include as an encore her favorite song, Simple Gifts. So that is how I am going to end this episode with Will's 1987 recording of Simple Gifts. When we find ourselves in the place just right, twill be in the valley of love and delight. Tis the gift to be simple, tis the gift to be free, tis the gift to come down where you ought to be. And when we find ourselves in the place just right, twill be in the valley of love and delight. When true simplicity is gained, to bow and to bend we shan't be ashamed, to turn, turn will be our delight, till by turning, turning we come round Tis the gift to be free, tis the gift to come down where you ought to be. And when we find ourselves in the place just right, twill be in the valley of love and delight. My dear friends, Keep the song in your hearts. 
I'm Daniel Gundlach.